So Gunnar, this is episode 240. 240. That's twice as much as 120. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's ten times as much as twenty four. So <laughs> and, and, and as many as we probably should have done. <laughs> yeah, right, right, yeah. But uh yeah, it's holy cow. Um yeah. who would have thought we've been uh it I think we're coming on ten years pretty soon. I think we're getting there. Yeah, that's right. Uh this is a story of grit, Dave. This mm-hmm. is uh, this is mm-hmm. grit, determination, friendship. Mm-hmm. We've had a real hero's journey on this thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Speaking of uh git and determination and all that, you you may have noticed uh um I'm no longer in the Red Hat uh roster. I did. I didn't <laughs> I did notice that. <laughs> yeah. 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 So uh yeah, I uh joined uh MuleSoft uh as their first public sector field CTO. Wonderful. Congratulations, mm-hmm. Dave. That's fantastic. Yeah, it's really exciting. It's uh, everybody has been so incredibly kind and nice and welcoming. Uh, it's it's just been fantastic. Uh, I've all I've been on stage already. It was like in my <laughs> on my first video call, uh, ten minutes in, they were like, "Hey, what are you doing next week, Wednesday?" And this was on my first day, <laughs> and and I'm like, uh, I'm not scheduled i guess and they're like hey how'd you like to do this introduction on stage and you know and all that so um did it it was super fun uh it was and just to get back on stage again in the physical world uh was just delightful and and refreshing so um but um it's you know the uh you know the, the 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 technology gods giveth but they also uh not necessarily taketh away, but they give you giveth you something else. <laughs> uh-huh. So, yeah. So I, it's like, hey, um, you know, it's like, uh, you know, we're, we're going to order you a Mac. Uh, we're going to get you your iPhone, and I'm, I'm like, what? You know, and I'm like, okay. And uh, my boss, uh, to his credit, he he went to the mat trying to find a uh, a Linux laptop and everything, and eventually it's like, it's okay. It's okay. And um, so it's like, I'm sort of like deprogramming myself. Like I'm, I'm waiting, like I need to have like an, uh, an Apple store van, like pull up and then put a hood over me and like take me to like a genius bar and like, like, you know, strap me down and, and reprogram me. But holy cow, I'll tell you what, um, you know, going from, you know, just the, the keyboard shortcuts is one thing is just and, and the keyboard itself differences, like the placement of the control key and all that has mm-hmm. has been uh a challenge. Uh and then the other thing I'm surprised with the iPhone, it's like I'll tell you what, um I I think that the Chromebooks and and Android is more Steve Jobsian than the iPhone and and the Mac. Uh, just in terms of polish and um, and I think it's just because it has a lot less technical debt and cruft uh, to drag along uh, where, you know, uh, I'm just, it, it's, and it's an adjustment and it's okay. And I'll get through it. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, yeah. Man, RIP your DMs now. You're about to, you just launched a platform war. Yeah, um, right. So and, it- and we didn't even start talking about VI and Emacs yet. <laughs> <laughs> So what is, is there, can you give an example of, a uh, of the kind of polish you were seeking and not getting? Yeah. So, um, 
holy cow, Pocket is a great example where not everything I can, and not like I'm so used to like any app I could share something to Pocket, right, mm-hmm. in the Android. Whereas on iOS, it's like very few apps allow me to do it. Um, and then it's also the Pocket app itself just seems to be far behind in terms of like there's no ability to sort the articles by duration. And yeah, um, but on, on Android it does. Um, but then, you know, it's also the the user experience on the um, Android where it's like you just drag and swipe to the right to like go back. And whereas sometimes it works on some apps, on some iOS apps, sometimes you get there's a little button, uh, like a left arrow in the upper left that you got to click on. Mm-hmm. Um, very inconsistent. Um, another thing that I don't like is that, you know, it's like you're in an app, you want to get to the settings. Cool. Um, on iOS, uh, it's like you got to go out of the app to go into the main settings and then find the app to get to the settings. Uh, right. Which, again, it's like, why? Um, so, anyhow, um, th- that's just just some of the, the things that it's like, yeah, I think it, there, there's a little better UX we could do here, I think. I see. I see. Yes. Yeah. Well, it's interesting, and a lot of what you're a lot of what you're talking about is um, uh, those are behaviors that are specific to applications, right? Um, yep. And so it is hard to, uh, in the settings, for example, I know that Apple wishes that all the settings were conducted through the settings panel uh, on the, you mm-hmm. know, in the, in the control panel. Um, but app developers stubborn, stubbornly and inconsistently um, will put a settings, you know, a little gearbox in the upper right hand corner of their app or, or what have you. So it is your, I agree. It is not consistent. That is true. That is true. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. But I mean, there, there are worse, uh, you know, it, it, you know, it, it, if that's the worst thing that happens to me this week, I'm in good shape. You know, it's, yeah. it's okay. Yeah. yeah, that's right. You know, you know what I find <laughs> my experience anyway, and this is true for both Chromebooks and, and OS 10. Um, I do not miss the days of running Linux on my laptop uh, because the temptation to engineer my laptop has gone away. Um, mm-hmm. I have no urge at all to go mess with a mm-hmm. mail filter or a postfix configuration or a, a mud RC or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I just kind of like, I just, I've surrendered. Right. Yeah. Whatever experience you're going to give me, you're just going to give me. And mm-hmm. And I think that's fine. I think that's well, fine. and that's that's like with uh, Chrome OS um, compared to Mac OS. It's like Mac OS is too much operating system. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's more than necessary. And I think it's just like it's in it. It predates the you know a lot of where we're at today, where where it's more of like a Chromebook is just basically a tool to get you on the internet. And right. the assumption is that the internet is ubiquitous. Mm-hmm. And and everything is server side, where there's still a lot of client side stuff running yes. on on the Mac that is not necessary, and it, and so you could trim a lot if if you can deprecate that. But I'm sure it's hard to you know give up that stuff. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Well, and Apple also uses that as an opportunity to tell a privacy story that uh, mm-hmm. the Chromebooks can't. Right, so they try and turn it into an advantage. It's really interesting to see how these the pendulum swings. You know, um, yep. yeah. It's cool. So anyway, so now, Dave, you'll remember a few episodes back, 
Um, mm-hmm. We'll include it again in the show notes, but um, I recommend it to you the drafts app. Yes. Yes. So I now have, uh, I, I've got a full blown system now on a, in a, uh, using the drafts app uh, for doing uh, daily agendas and managing to doist and so on, taking meeting notes. Um, anyway, I'll be happy to share those with you later. I'll be and I, uh, I will, th- and I'm, I'm throwing the flag here where all the time that you spent on, uh, NetFilter and MudRC and all that you're, you're spending on is you've reallocated it to drafts and, and building your your contraptions and and all that. Yeah, I suppose you're right. I suppose you're right. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's fair. I'll take that. I'll take that hit. Yeah, you're right. You're right. All right. So, so well, what do we got in the show? Yeah. Um. So uh, let's see. Uh. Well, wait a minute. You got you got uh you have your gardening thing. You got a. Oh yeah, that's right. I wanted to tell you, Soren and I planted a garden, a fall garden. Really? And with, with seeds, was, with or little starters mix. It was a mix. Okay. Some seeds, some starters, and it was a total delight. He had a grand time yeah. digging in the dirt, and uh, so we got some starters, especially heavy on the so with like various lettuces, kales, collard greens, Brussels sprouts, broccoli, mint, uh, basil, dill. And uh, man, it's a good time. Uh, it's all green. It's all it's extremely green. And yeah. uh, let's see. It uh, and I'm proud to announce that now one week into the project, uh, everything is still thriving for the mm-hmm. most part. Um, several bugs are very happy with uh, with some of the collard greens that are now yeah. available to them, and so they're 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 eating those up nicely. Um, but it is nice to be able to just go out and pick some leaves and make yourself a quick little salad. It's great. Yeah. And grow it yeah. all yourself. It's very rewarding. Oh, nice. Yeah. Nice. So anyway, that's that's my that's my uh my gentleman's my gentleman's garden, let's call it. Right. And well, and that's where I'm sure like with Soren, it's gonna be, you know, it's it will taste better that that he grew it himself, right? And mm-hmm. mentally and also objectively, right, than what you get in the store. So that's great. That's really good. Yes, that's right. I just got to make sure it's not entirely fertilized by the cats, if you know mm. what I mean. Right, right. So we'll, but we'll figure that out. So yeah, that's what's going on over here. Yeah, nice. So um, on the show, uh, we're going to be probably compressing a little bit, but um, you know, we're going to be talking about uh, Helixson's Law. Uh, mm. We're going to bring that back uh, yeah. and, and help us with the SEO. So we ultimately get our Wikipedia article uh, created. <laughs> um, and then also uh, we'll, we'll talk about LARPs. Uh, there's a, a Poland, uh, a LARP in Poland. All right. Yep. I love a good LARP. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So, um, yeah, where, where do we need to send people for all the show notes and, and good stuff like that? Oh yeah, for the link to uh to to my uh to my beloved drafts app, uh, they can go to uh, dgshow.org. That's D as in Dave, G as in Gunner, show.org. And on Twitter at uh dgshow d o t o r g. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. So let's let's interactively go through our cutting room floor. So everybody bring up your web browser and and go to the the uh the latest episode and, and we'll walk through it. But uh you know how you have all those AIs uh, that will do the this whatever does not exist? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah. So um, there's one for this pipe does not exist. So check that out. All right. And what, what do you see there? Oh, I see uh, Matisse's uh, pipe. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Go ahead. Reload it. 
Okay. Reloading. Yep, still a pipe. Yep. And uh, you can do that for hours, and you'll get the same thing. <laughs> All right. So, yeah. Um, the next one is uh, is interesting. It's uh, this image does not exist, so it's one of those quizzes where you get to pick whether this piece of digital artwork was created by an AI or it was created by a human. And I am terrible at it. It is it is like <laughs> so hard, and and uh, it's it's really it's like a coin toss. <laughs> I see. So you can click on the artist or you can click on the robot to decide mm -hmm. it's an mm -hmm. original or not. Nope. I failed. All right. Next one. Uh, robot. Nope. Failed that one. Uh, yes. Artist. Yes. All right. I got one out of three. There you go. Um, so next one, uh, AI generated brands. So here's a nice uh, Twitter thread of uh, pumping in uh, some brands and, and coming up with some uh Uncanny Valley uh, uh, brand uh, things. So <laughs> the Waffle Flea House. <laughs> yeah. So it's all these distorted uh, or uh, it's all variations on the conception of uh, the Waffle House logo, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it keeps scrolling down, and, and you got other brands too beyond Waffle House. And uh, oh yeah, this is a, this would be great for if I if there was a trademarked uh, logo that I really mm -hmm. enjoyed and wanted to appropriate, mm -hmm. but I uh, mm -hmm. but I wanted it to be just a little bit different uh, mm -hmm. so that I could uh, not get sued. Uh, this would be a pretty good way to do it. Maybe uh, if uh, I'm not a lawyer, but uh, and do not use this show as legal advice. But sure. <laughs> Um, yeah. So if, if you want some more AI images, check out ghostly stock. So, um, you know, we're all looking for AI generated, uh, stock images. Um, but these are just a little bit on the disturbing side. So it's a nice search engine. You could search for whatever you like. Um, and, uh, it's, uh, <laughs> have fun with that. I just, I just searched for a cat and it gave me a great picture of a cat, extremely well lit except that its two eyes are switched. They're in the wrong mm -hmm. place. <laughs> of course, of course, yeah. Yeah, and then back in the real world, uh, we have the last shift uh, office chair. So All right. for, for your home office decorating needs. <laughs> should, it, should we explain what I'm looking at here? Yeah, go for it, go for it. So if you were to take a coffin mm -hmm. and then bend it at a right angle twice so that it was in the form of a seat, this is what I'm looking mm -hmm. at. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. And they have like a whole conference room of them and everything. So uh, <laughs> it's great. Uh, use that for, for the, uh, that'll be the job interview room, right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Or new hire orientation. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Welcome. Um, yeah. So, and then there's, um, uh, the motorized gaming bed. Oh, so yeah. number one, um, I never heard of a gaming bed, but I guess they exist. Uh, and this one's motorized. Oh yeah. So you can, uh, the bed can, will, will sit you upright. And then I mm -hmm. guess you just press a button or turn a crank or something. And the bed mm -hmm. will gently turn back into a bed and you don't yeah. even have to leave your position. And then just exactly. Can, that's cool. Yeah. That's what cool. you need is like, 
bag of Doritos and a mayonnaise jar and you're like good to go. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And then um, this is made by the same people that make uh, this. It's, I think it's a uh, Japanese uh, desk tent. So I'm sure Soren has something similar to this. Like my daughter had like a blues clues one where it's like it unfolds and then you could make this inside tent. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. But it's it's all black and and it's a way for you to like isolate. Uh, so for all the, um, you know, like you like the, with the open office plans, right? And you want to be able to have a, a nice place where you can do some deep deep work. Um, mm-hmm. There you go. Um, and the video review is is great uh, in terms of like their their take on it. Um, and then the last uh, two we got. Um, so if you want the if you like Dr. Dre, uh, but you also like medieval uh, music. Uh, here you don't have to choose you get a little bit of both uh so you get the medieval version of dr dre and then um uh, i showed you this one too it's a it's a nice video of uh rage against the machines uh it's a cover of uh their song killing in the name uh performed by the north korean military chorus (laughs) (laughs) it's great Mm -hmm. it's great yeah yeah, and that's and like watch that, and it's a total jaw dropper. And and then it's like if you watch the link after that, it'll make sense. But um, it's like holy crap. Um, so recommend everybody check it out. It's great, excellent. Yeah. Okay, Helixson's law. Um, yeah. Yeah. So so uh, do you want to, uh, for those that have joined us around episode fifty or later or so, um, mm-hmm. they probably don't know what Helixson's law is because we haven't talked about it in a while. Do you want to give us? Uh, 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 a recap, re-explainer of it? Sure. So uh, this, this is from our, our experience in uh, government, especially in the days of the Obama administration when the government was trying to uh, get its arms around open source software, get comfortable using open source software. And so we suddenly had a lot of guidance about open source software being published. And a lot of it was bad. It was mm-hmm. not well thought through. And in large part because producing rules around the use of open source software suggests that open source needs uh, special attention. And mm-hmm. uh, so Helixson's Law argues or uh, posits that uh, there is no need for special attention and any rule that you are going to levy against open source software is a rule that you should levy against uh, any kind of software, proprietary mm-hmm. or open source. So I think the law <clears throat> properly formulated, the law says um, any open source software policy uh, can be improved uh, by applying it to a proprietary software as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and even the simpler way is like do a search and replace for open source software and just change it to software. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Right. Anywhere you see the word open source software, just change the word to software, and it's probably uh, will turn it into a better policy. That's right. Yeah, which is counterintuitive, and it's like, what are you doing crossing off uh, open source? But that's the thing, right? It's like, why should you treat it differently? And uh, yeah, but then it's like I saw this article that in a, there's a, uh, where somebody, it was a national, uh, defense authorization bill, which was passed on July 14th. I don't know where it stands now, mm-hmm. but it, it talks about, um, uh, a, where there's a requirement that says a certification that each item listed on the submitted bill of materials is free of all known vulnerabilities or defects in the product or service. And it, it actually calls out open source. Yeah, not great. Not great. Yeah. Well, not great for two reasons. First, it violates Helixson's law by calling out open source, right? Yep. 
So, so the second, so as somebody who publishes software for a living, I can also take issue. There's also a second issue here, which is uh, this this notion of known flaws, right? So mm -hmm. you can't warrant that your software is going to be free of any flaws, of course, right? Mm -hmm. Nobody can promise that the software is no flaws, but the idea that you are shipping software without known flaws is uh, meant to make it okay. In other words, like if you know that there's a bug in it, you can't ship it with with mm -hmm. a known bug in it, right? Which on the surface sounds perfectly reasonable. Mm -hmm. um, however, that is not the way that the world works uh, because resources are finite and attention is finite. And mm -hmm. uh, there are all kinds of, uh, I'll use an example of like low, uh, low impact CVEs or moderate impact mm -hmm. CVEs and software ships all the time without having fixed a low or moderate CVE because the bug isn't that serious. The bug is unlikely to get triggered. Um, uh, the bug is a nuisance more than a, more than a mm -hmm. flaw. Uh, and so uh, this would be compelling a great deal of what is frankly unnecessary work mm -hmm. uh, in some cases. Um, so I'm anti. Write me down for a no on this one. Yeah. This, and that's going to make software fiendishly expensive is what it's going to do. Right. And it's it's also, uh, it adds risk. Like every time you change the code, whether you're fixing it or, you know, the fix could add risk. The the fix could make it worse, right? And we've seen that happen before too um, with, you know, like the rush with some of the Spectre and Meltdown things, you know, it that required, you know, fixes to the fixes and uh, because things were rushed. And, um, and like you said, it's like, I, I think like you got CVSS scores and, you know, you want to weigh that in your own environment. And a lot of the the security vulnerabilities may be like, well, if the attacker is sitting on the system and they're logged in as root, um, and they're physically at, you know, on the system as root, um, well, you got bigger problems than whatever ancillary bug that's going to get triggered because of that, right? And right. and so, um, and and I've seen it too, where uh, a fix could actually you know make things break, right? Mm -hmm. And and the other part is the um, uh, like what you said, it's going to make the software more expensive unnecessarily. And mm -hmm. and it, the first thing to me that came to mind was like the, the $800 toilet seats. <laughs> yeah. You know, and it's, and it's because it's like, Oh, they have to be mil spec and they got to have all these other, you know, all these features with them and all that. And in order to meet the spec, you know, the toilet seats cost $800. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I did, I, and when I was searching for just confirming that, yes, the $800 toilet seat thing is a real thing, I, I did come across, fun fact, um, there is a uh, Brondell S1000 uh, e-swash uh, 1000 elongated bidet toilet seat with remote control. Um, it's list price, $950, on sale for you today, $599. <laughs> that's the market at work so what it's you're saying been what in you're... The, it's been in the price curve <laughs> free markets baby <laughs> i really like the idea that somewhere there's a b52 with a with a bidet in it <laughs> in a remote control that's hardened um and yeah and and it's uh yeah right and it's it's not wireless either it has to be a, a hard wire tempest uh grade yeah right. uh so you can't you can't do a, a tempest scan on it right <laughs> um yeah 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 so um and and this thing uh it's like i saw this and i it's like i had to read it a couple times because i'm like this is like too cool 
so um, you know what LARPs are, right? Mm-hmm. Live action role play. Yeah, which is usually like the medieval fairs and stuff like that where people dress up in um, medieval clothes and then they act in character and all that stuff and they walk around, right? Yep. 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 So um, there is actually a live action role play in Poland where uh, people pretend to be Americans. <laughs> specifically from Ohio. <laughs> this is great. Yeah. So um, so they turned this holiday resort uh, in Poland and in a forest into an American trailer park. I think they got a meth lab in there. Um, and, you know, they, they have uh, uh, 28 hours at a time is when they do it. And then um, a lot of it was to, that people were just fascinated uh, by things like uh, Stranger Things and X Files, like all the so that there's a, a vibe of of that going in in terms of Men in Black arriving and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, and and then it's like some of the replies uh, were like uh, uh, there was one guy he said, uh, as an Ohio-born guy myself, not bad. Extra points for the Browns jersey. So there's <laughs> there's actually a guy in a Browns jersey, uh, Cleveland Browns wearing it. Um, they came up with a script that's 700 pages long. Um, wow. So, yeah, yeah. And and when I thought about it is, uh, like, do you know what Dingus Day is? I don't. Okay. Uh, so you know how you have, like, Fat Tuesday? Like, uh, before Lent, and you know, in Christianity, there's, there's like, Fat Tuesday where uh, with Lent is, uh, starts on Ash Wednesday. So mm-hmm. Fat Tuesday is the day before everybody gets all their uh, drinking and partying out of the way because they're going to be, um, you know, 40 days worth of, of sacrifice, right? right. Um, Dingus Day, it, and then the, the Ash Wednesday goes until Easter Sunday. Easter Sunday happens, then you have Easter Monday, uh, where all the sacrifice is over with, and you it's, it's game on. Um, and you have Dingus Day, which is like a Polish holiday where it's like, hey, all the sacrifice is over. It's time to party. And yeah. so um, there's a thing called Dingus Day cele- celebrated by Polish people around the world. Um, and there's one in Cleveland. And so what I was thinking is that um, what would happen if they celebrated Dingus Day uh, with all the Polish stuff? In the Ohio LARP in Poland, <laughs> right? You, go, you get a recursion. Yeah, yeah, I love yeah. It. And then there's also a Polish village uh, in in Parma and outside of Cleveland as well. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you get the Polish village in Cleveland, uh, dressing up as Americans, mm-hmm. with pretending to be Polish or celebrating mm-hmm. their Polish heritage, right? Yeah, right, right. Yeah, but in Poland. Yes. Oh, that's great. That's yeah, a good sign. Me up. You know what this? You know what this tells me about Dave? This tells me when we talk about uh, the the uh, hegemony of American culture, this is what we're talking about. It means that there's a group of Polish folks who have enough cues and enough kind of background knowledge of what it even means to be in Ohio, where they mm-hmm. could actually recreate an entire uh, Ohio village mm-hmm. with its own meth lab. With its own meth lab, I think that's extraordinary. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, we've come so far. <laughs> De Tocqueville, it ain't. <laughs> yeah. yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So, um, 
Yeah. So, so if people need to, uh, like, if you get a, a home office stipend uh, mm-hmm. and, and you need to order one of these uh, last shift uh, office chairs or a motorized gaming bed um, and, and you, you know, you're, you want to listen to uh, some either medieval music of, of Dr. Dre or, or North Korean military chorus doing a little Rage Against the Machine, where, where should they be going? Oh, they should go to uh, dgshow.org. That's D as in Dave, G as in Gunner, mm-hmm. show. Org or on uh, Twitter to uh, send us a slide into our DMs over on a DG show, D O T O R G. Nice. All right. Well, thanks, Gunner, and thanks everybody for listening. Thanks, Dave. Thanks, everyone. <laughs>